0: Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Let me see if I get there we go. Welcome to church, friends. What an awesome start to the day so far. Man, you kids did amazing as always. One of my favorite moments of the year. You just never know what's gonna happen and we worship, and that's what makes it awesome, so it's great. But a huge shout out, huge shout out. Something we say around here all the time is that, as a church, we are for the 50. And if you're new around here, what that means is we think God has strategically placed us on the 50 corridor, on the Highway 50 corridor to reach the 50 corridor with the good news of Jesus Christ, with the love of Jesus Christ, through practical acts of compassion, just like what you saw on that video. And friends, we, we had a goal to get a thousand gifts. We thought, man, maybe this year our church could do a thousand gifts for Christmas around town, and we could sponsor the teen shop in partnership with Powerhouse Ministries. And as you all saw, unfortunately, we didn't get a thousand gifts. We got thirteen hundred and seventy-five <laughs> gifts through your generosity, which served over five hundred teens and just talking to everybody who was there that day, just the energy, the joy in that room. And how many kids who were not just getting a gift for themselves for Christmas, but who were saying, actually, I'm getting one for my sister or for a friend of mine who I know isn't gonna get a gift this year or for my mom or for my dad. It was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Over 500, as I mentioned, teens served and then over $35,000 in gifts given by you. So give it up for yourselves. That was amazing. I love I love being a part of a generous church. We, we say generosity is normal, and that's just who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. And hey, um, some of you received this in the mail. I wanted to, to draw attention to this real quick. It's our year-end update letter, and there will be sort of a more formal, full-on uh, annual report that comes out in January, but this is available. If you didn't receive one of these in the mail, you'll see it on the tables as you head out today near where the communion is. and It just gives you a brief overview of the year, of what happened this year, of where we're at financially. Um, I'm super grateful and excited to report that we are right on budget, 1% ahead of budget, praise God, um, as we head into the final month of the year. But We also know this and we share this in the letter that December, uh, especially for churches, is the biggest month of the year for us. Almost uh, 20% of our budget or so comes in during the month of December. So, man, if, if you love this church, if you call this your church home, if you wanna support and continue supporting the mission of this church, whether it's initiatives like For the 50 or just even reaching the next generation of kids with the good news of Jesus Christ like we saw during We Worship, I wanna encourage you to step in with generosity. As Dan mentioned in the other video, there are three ways that you can give, but generosity doesn't just support the work of this church, it also does something to your heart. It Does something profound in your heart in terms of trusting Jesus, watching Jesus provide and show up in your own life. And generosity is something that I think we can all benefit from as we come down to the end of the year, amen? Amen. All right, let's pray and then we will jump into... The message for today. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing here. Thank you so much for what you're doing in and through the people that call Hills Church home. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what we're gonna touch on today, Lord. And I just believe it's it's such a relevant and important message for so many of our lives. So, Jesus, today I ask that you would meet us where we're at. I pray, Lord, that the peace of God would meet us where we're at today. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So if you haven't been tracking with us for the past few weeks, or maybe today is your first day here, we've been in an Advent series, and the whole idea around Advent. Advent is the four weeks leading up To Christmas. And the whole idea around Advent is this idea of arrival. In fact, Advent means arrival, and it's all about us as believers, as followers of Jesus, preparing our hearts, getting ready for the arrival of the Son of God, getting ready for Christmas, preparing our hearts. We believe Christmas is such an important moment in the history of the world, literally the turning point in the history of the world, the arrival of God on planet Earth as a baby. We believe certain moments, especially in the calendar year, like Christmas and Easter, are so important, we don't want to miss it, and we actually want to prepare our hearts to receive the fullness of what those moments represent for us. And so we've been looking at sort of the four traditional words around Advent. Each week leading up to Christmas, there are, there's a different word that throughout church history, the church has celebrated that represents and that sort of captures what it means when Jesus came to earth. And so the first week, Pastor Dave, he talked about how Jesus, with the birth of Jesus, there was the arrival of hope, the arrival of hope to the world. Last week, we talked about the arrival of joy. Jesus brought joy to the world. He was a gift of joy to the world. And this week, we're gonna talk about the third word that's represented in this Advent series, which is peace. And could there be a more relevant word for us to talk about? Could there be a greater need for us to dive into than this reality of peace And with Jesus comes the arrival of peace. I mean, if you look at just a couple of the classic Christmas verses around this idea of peace, we see from Isaiah 9.6 and Luke 179, it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. There's a lot of other names and titles of Jesus that are given in that uh, verse and in that chapter, but I wanna focus on the fact that one of the names of Jesus is actually the Prince of Peace. The one who brings peace in his kingdom. As a leader of his kingdom, he wants his people to walk in peace, not just with each other, but with themselves, within themselves. Another verse, Luke 179 says, Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, To guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace, to teach us how to walk in this lifestyle of peace. Now, I was thinking about this reality of peace because oftentimes we're not looking for it or we don't realize how badly we need it until it's gone, right? And I was thinking about a few times in my life when I've lost my peace, right? And Oftentimes, it feels like some of those circumstances are outside my control. Now, if you've ever flown on an airplane before, there may have been a moment, maybe you're an anxious flyer to begin with, but I bet some of you have experienced turbulence on an airplane, am I right? Basically all of us, at some level or another. (laughs) And we know there are two types of turbulence, don't we? There's the turbulence where the pilot gets on the PA and he says, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. In a few minutes, we'll be experiencing some light turbulence. So please, everybody, buckle up, head back to your seats, and I'll let you know when it's over. You barely look up from reading your book or watching your movie. If you're sleeping, you don't even wake up, and then a little bump comes 10 minutes later, and then he gets on with a joyful, confident voice and says, that was the turbulence for today. You're now free to move throughout the cabin. That's expected turbulence. That's the turbulence you got the warning for. Now, the second type of turbulence, and maybe you've been fortunate enough to experience this kind of turbulence, we'll just call it unexpected turbulence. Anybody been there? You know where I'm going? Like the beverage carts are in the aisle, people are waiting outside the bathrooms, everyone's kind of up and around the cabin. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bottom just drops out of the plane. The carts, the drinks, everything hits the ceiling. People are screaming, babies are crying. Some of you are getting sweaty hands just thinking about the last time this happened to you. And all of a sudden you hear the the pilot come on the PA and he goes, everyone back to your seats, buckle up. We are experiencing turbulence. Didn't see that one coming, right? You can tell he's trying to be calm and he's trying to stay collected, but he's like, everyone sit down. Buckle up! It's going to be a bumpy ride. Now, this has never happened to me, but if it's real bad, the oxygen masks fall down, and then you're just gripping and you're looking around and whatever was happening before, you don't even care. Cranberry juice is now in your lap from your neighbor next to you, and you're just thinking, "Thank you, Pilot. I realize we are in turbulence right now. That is a super helpful announcement, and I have no intention of getting out of this seat." Two types of turbulence. And as I was thinking about this idea of peace, you know, really quickly, especially when the second type of turbulence hits us, hits our lives, the unexpected turbulence, our our peace goes right out the window and we're praying we don't follow it soon. Nobody's watching their movies anymore. Nobody's peacefully reading a book. No one's listening to music. Everyone is focused on what's happening in that moment. And friends, life, our life, Life in general, it rarely gives you a heads up of when the turbulence is coming. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> it rarely gives us a warning. It, real, it rarely says in 10 minutes it's gonna arrive and it's gonna last this long and then you're gonna be through it and it's all gonna be good. Often it hits us unexpected. Something happens that steals our peace, and and when we experience the storms and the turbulence of life, we can experience it financially. We can experience it relationally in our friendships or the relationship with our kids or our spouses. We can experience it emotionally as we're going through anxiety or depression. We can experience it physically with the loss of a loved one or with an unexpected diagnosis. And it's in those places when the unexpected turbulence of life hits where you desperately long for an arrival of peace, for the arrival of peace, for the prince of peace to show you how to find peace in those moments. It's not too hard to have peace when everything's going good. It's not that difficult to find peace in your soul when life is just on cruise control, but it's in the moments of unexpected turbulence where that's where peace is forged. That's the peace that God wants to give you. That's the peace he wants to teach you to walk in. Not just when things are easy, but when things are hard. And this is what we know. We we all realize this. When peace leaves, When your state of peace leaves, for whatever reason, it doesn't just leave a void in your life, does it? It's not just this absence of feeling. Usually, peace is replaced by something else, like anxiety, stress, anger, fear, distress, worry, sadness, sorrow. Usually, when peace leaves, it's replaced by something else, something that we don't want in our lives, something that we can't live with necessarily for very long. And man, we have all experienced so much turbulence over the past 20 months. I was reading an article this past week that shared a staggering stat with me, statistic with me. It said, in the past six months, over 30 million people have resigned or quit their jobs in America. Business Harvard, uh, Harvard Business Review called it the great resignation of 2021. People are tired. They're searching for meaning. We all know the statistics on rising anxiety, rising stress, depression, mental health issues that so many of us are facing, coming out of the pa- pandemic, navigating how to deal with all the new technology in our lives navigating what to do with, honestly, too much information that we were never meant to have access to and our brains and our emotions can't handle um, this reality of a 24-7 news cycle. And I think if we're honest, maybe some of us have, you know, sat down and tried to turn on the movie of our life. It almost feels like an out-of-body experience for the last 20 months or so, and you're watching this movie, you're watching the reality of your life, and you're like... What's happening? Who is in charge of writing this script? I don't like this movie. Two massive, enthusiastic thumbs down. Bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. This is rough. And many of us have been there and many of us are longing in this place. We're desperate for an arrival of peace. We're desperate for God to show up and say, I wanna give you peace right here, right now, in the midst of this turbulence, in the midst of this storm. And not just peace between you and God, I think that's where all peace begins, is when you have peace in your heart with God through Jesus Christ, but peace in our relationships with others, peace with ourselves, a deep abiding peace that will reign in our hearts regardless of the circumstances that we're facing, regardless of what we're going through. And I'll say this, we know this, there is no such thing as a stress-free life. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. There is no such thing in a broken world as a stress-free life. Yes, you're going to experience anxiety. You're going to experience sadness and fear. And yes, depression is a real thing. There is no such thing as a stress-free life, but yet I do believe this as well. In the midst of the anxiety we do face, in the midst of the situation and the turbulence that we're all going through at one level or another, there is a promise of peace that is available to us in Christ that can bring a sense of not just joy and lightness and hope, but can help us navigate the hardest days of our life can help us navigate the most difficult moments that we go through. And I really believe this. If, if you look at the puzzle of your life, say your life is like a puzzle, and maybe we'll just call this the peace puzzle, right? If we wanna have peace in our life, there's a lot of different pieces in this puzzle. If we wanna deal with anxiety, sadness, sorrow, depression, there's some really practical things we can do, right? Make sure you're getting enough rest, Make sure that your diet, you're eating healthy food, right? Humans are integrated beings. Our soul, our spirit is affected by our physical bodies. So uh, that's why after you exercise, you feel great. You're happy. It's just how we work as humans, you know, making sure that the work that you're doing is is not just providing for your family, but it's also something you enjoy. It's satisfying. Making sure you have some sense of work-life balance. That's really helpful in terms of cultivating peace. Um, Healthy friendships, a healthy marriage, uh, therapy, come on, somebody. These are all different pieces of the puzzle to get peace in our life. And if we wanna walk in peace, if we wanna walk in the peace that Jesus came to bring, I think all of these are actually important. But I think there is a missing piece in our puzzle of peace a lot of pieces right here and a lot of them, I'm saying a lot. Okay, um, and I think it's real simple. I think it's, I think it's really simple and I think it's one that we often overlook but it's our spiritual health. I think often, yeah, maybe you're getting enough rest, maybe you're in counseling, maybe you're, you're, you've got a good work-life balance but you haven't taken your anxiety to Jesus yet. Sometimes we turn to all the other pieces of the puzzle before we actually just pray and say lord i mean he he invited us cast your cares on me cast your anxiety on me because i care for you and sometimes friends that's the last place that we turn it's the last thing we even think about and i think what the lord wants to remind us of today is this simple fact that he's the prince of peace he's the source of peace He's the one who's gonna guide us into the way of peace. And yes, he's given us wisdom to to have a healthy, integrated life and to put the different pieces of the puzzle together to cultivate a lifestyle of peace. But at the end of the day, are you bringing your worry and anxiety to Christ through prayer? Are you talking to him about it? Are you bringing it to him? I think that's a missing piece for Many of us, and as we look at this today, I, I was so struck by this. There's a verse, um, John fourteen twenty-seven says this. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I'm not giving you the peace that the world is offering you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There's a promise of peace here. There's a promise of peace that Jesus has offered and given freely to us. And it's amazing because if you think about it, what kind of peace does the world offer us? The world does offer us peace. And I thought about it. I said, you know, really, the peace that the world offers is conditional and situational. It's conditional and situational. It's it's dependent on the conditions of our lives. The world will, will offer you a sense of peace as long as all the conditions in your life are going well. As long as your bank account is full, your marriage is fine, your relationships are good, work is good, there's a sense of peace offered by the world just as long as things are going well. We've all experienced that. We've had seasons like that that are just great. Not very often, but... We have experienced that. So there's conditional peace and it's situational. It's determined by the situation you're in. The peace of the world says as long as your situation is good and positive and peaceful, you'll have peace. But as soon as unexpected turbulence comes, the peace goes out the window. Now, Jesus is saying the peace that I offer is not like that peace. The peace that I wanna give you, it is, unconditional and abiding. It's unconditional, meaning it doesn't matter what conditions or situations that you're facing in your life, I wanna give you a peace that stays with you in that place. I wanna give you access to peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of unexpected turbulence. It's unconditional peace. You didn't earn it, I gave it to you freely as a gift, and it's abiding, It stays with you. And it doesn't mean you won't experience anxiety or stress. It doesn't mean you won't have sad and fearful days, but it does mean the Prince of Peace, the person of peace who is Jesus is with us in the middle of the storm. He's with us right there, abiding with us. And friends, that is not something the world can offer us. It's not the kind of peace the world can give us. One of the most amazing things if you read through the Gospels are the situations that Jesus finds himself in. And if you put yourself in that situation, I 100% guarantee you that you would lose your peace. You would flip your lid for sure. I would flip my lid. I just read through the Gospels And you know, one thing that can be difficult for anybody is especially if you're claustrophobic, it says over and over again there were crowds pressing in around him. Look, I like Disney World like the next guy, but I can only take so much of Disney World. I can only take so much of the mall. I can only take so much of crowds constantly pressing around me. And I'm like, I need I need to get back to the car. I need to take a breath. I'm gonna walk outside. I need a break from the crowds and Jesus in the midst of this constant pressure I mean he would with you know withdraw and retreat to lonely places but he didn't lose his peace in those moments I thought about this one maybe you remember this story from the gospels when there's this demoniac in the tombs the guy who's like breaking chains and there's a legion of demons inside of him now I don't know about you but if I walk up to that guy in a graveyard And I begin having a conversation, not just with the guy, but what's going on inside of the guy, I'm going to lose my peace in that moment. I'm not going to be like, okay, understand what you're saying. I, I just need all of you to leave him and go jump into those pigs and then run off the cliff. Read it. Maybe if you're new to the Bible, you have no clue what I'm talking about. It's just read through the gospels till you find that story. It's in there. I would have lost my peace in that moment. There was one time Jesus got abducted by an angry mob and, and forcefully taken to the edge of a cliff. And right as they're about to shove him off the cliff, he just walks through the crowd, doesn't lose his peace. He has a way of accessing peace. I mean, he's God, he's one with the Father. He knows the Father is in control and no matter what's happening around him, whether he's in a small little fishing boat in the middle of a massive storm He can take a nap. It's all good. Everyone else is losing their peace. And then he stands up and says, peace, be still to the wind and the waves and they are still. The peace that Jesus offers over and over again, the peace that Jesus exemplifies to the world over and over again is a peace unlike anything we've ever seen. And yet, there is one moment There's one really important moment in the Gospels where Jesus completely loses his peace. There is one moment where Jesus experiences distress, sorrow, soul-crushing sadness. And I think there's something powerful for us to see in this. I think we can learn something from Jesus about what we need to do when we're in that place. What we need to do when we're in that place, and it happened for Jesus, you may remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I wanna spend just a few minutes looking at this before we close. It's in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. This is a moment where Jesus loses his peace. I'm gonna read this. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here, while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me until, unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. There's a few things that we can learn from this. One of what did Jesus do? When he lost his peace, what did he do when he was distressed? When he was sorrowful to the point of death is what he said. Sorrowful to the point of death. What did he do? How did he respond? Because right in the following verses, he's arrested again and Peter loses his peace and chops off a guy's ear and Jesus is peaceful again. But there's this moment, and we want to see what he did to regain it. The first thing I think we see about the peace of God, the arrival of peace, is that the peace of God is forged in the darkest moments of our lives. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane moments, it's in the dark gardens of our lives. That's where it's like the, the peace muscle if you will is strengthened and 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 learned and just developed it's in those dark moments and what Jesus is facing here he's not he's not pushing against God. He's not losing his deity. This isn't a moment where, where, you know, scholars have debated this. You know, how could he be God and yet wrestle against God? And how could he lose his perfect peace? He's the son of God. But here's the truth of who Jesus is. He's fully God, yes, but he's also fully man. He had to become like us in every way so he could save every part of us. He had to become like us in every way so that he could relate to what we're going through. I mean, imagine the beauty of this. You serve a God who's not distant or disconnected from the pain of your life, but a God who has actually experienced sorrow to the point of death in his soul. Sadness that was so deep and crushing, he felt despair. He felt distress. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you are. He's felt it before. And here's here's what we have to understand and, and what we see even in Jesus's life right here. A lifestyle of peace is forged in the storms. It's It's strengthened. This reality of peace is strengthened in the garden of Gethsemane moments. It's in the diagnosis. It's Facing a divorce, it's when you lost your job, it's when you wake up every day with depression or anxiety hanging over your head. It's in the rejection, in the pain, in the loss of a loved one, in the midst of betrayal. That's where God wants to give you peace. And when you can look back on the story of your life and you can begin to see that, man, God was faithful, He was trustworthy, He brought me through. The next time you enter a storm, the next time you face unexpected turbulence, you can trust God in a different way and there's a different level of peace that's available to you in that moment. It's a process that we go through. I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? In the book of Daniel, the three guys who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Imagine their life from that day on, after they survived the fiery furnace. Imagine, imagine them facing like the normal struggles of life after that. Oh, this is nothing. Remember the fiery furnace? He brought us through that. that, That's nothing, like imagine the different perspective you have when you can look back and see, God brought me through that. He can bring me through anything. God brought me through that season. He can bring me through anything. It's in those moments where trust and peace is forged in your life and in mine. Man, there, there, some of you, and I I just want this to, to rest on you. Some of you are maybe in a season today. Maybe you're watching online today and you're in a place of sorrow, anxiety, or sadness that is so crushing that you think there is no way out. And I just wanna say to you from the bottom of my heart and from the the strong foundation of God's word that Jesus is with you and that this sorrow, this anxiety, this pain, whatever you're going through, it's not gonna break you. God is gonna bring you through. He's going to see you through to the other side of this. Even if you don't feel that now, there is a promise of peace available to you in Christ, and he's with you in the fire, in the turbulence. Friends, the peace of God, what we learn through this, it is forged through a process not found in a moment. It's forged through a process, it's not found in a moment. Think about this, Jesus himself God in the flesh had to pray three times. He didn't just go, "Uh, Father, I really don't wanna drink this cup of betrayal and wrath and carry the sin of the world and die through extreme torture and punishment. Please take it away. Sorry, Jesus, I'm not taking it away. Okay, thank you. I'm out. No. He fell on his face, it said. It, it literally the word for the word he uses is crushed i was crushed by the weight of the sorrow and he prays 3 times and and he prays this look at this process this progression he says abba father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me take it away All through his life to this moment, he had prophesied about this moment. He had said, I know I'm gonna die on the cross. I know I'm coming to this moment. The son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I was born to die. I know it's coming. Now he's facing it and he's realizing I'm about to be separated from my oneness with God for the first time. I'm about about to be forsaken by God for the sake of humanity so that humanity will not have to be forsaken by God. He says, Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He goes back, he finds a disciple sleeping. And even in that process, it's almost like his father says, Son, I can't remove this cup from you. It's why you're here, it's why we're doing this. And so he responds in the second prayer, My father, okay, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And goes back one more time, just in case. My father, this can't pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. So you see the progression in Jesus from please take it away to okay, if you can't, I will drink it. I will go because I love them. They're the joy set before me. They're the joy set before you. That's why I'm here. But do you see, it wasn't found in a moment for Jesus. It was a process for him. Friends, seasons change slowly. I had a friend share this with me recently. He said, you know, I was realizing, this is especially true in the Midwest or back in the Southeast where I'm from, when it goes from winter to spring, the weather gets schizophrenic. There's some days where it's 100 degrees and sunny and you're like, spring is here. Heck, we just skipped spring and went to summer. And then two days later, it's 42 degrees and raining and it rains for a week and you're like, nope, we're still in winter, spring is not here. Then it's 70 and sunny for a few days and oh, finally spring is here and then nope, it's snowing. And I thought all the leaves were out and the flowers were out, but it's snowing and it's cold and it's dreary for three or four more days. And then the weather gets nicer for longer stretches and there's smaller bursts of winter. And that, friends, is exactly how seasons change for you and I. Peace is a process. It's not a moment. God will bring you into new seasons, but it's three steps forward, two steps back. It's getting rest, it's getting diet, it's exercise, it's counseling, it's putting the different pieces of your puzzle together, but it's also, first and foremost, turning to the Prince of Peace daily, coming back again and again and again. If Jesus had to go three times, we gotta go about 3,000 times. Every single day, Lord, here's where I'm at today. I'm casting it on you again. I'm coming back to you again. I wanna close with this, and the keys can come up for this moment. Then we'll take communion together. But the last thought I had from from this moment in Gethsemane is that peace is a person who has been there before and his name is Jesus. And similar to what I said earlier, we don't serve a God who cannot relate with what we're going through. We don't serve a God who hasn't been there before. Jesus is unlike any other. There was, there's no other God a mythology and any other religion who came from heaven to earth and said, I'm literally going to become fully like them in every way, experience all that they go through in a broken world so that I can save them and redeem them through my death on a cross. There is nothing like this in the world. We serve a God who's been there and he knows how to provide peace for us Matthew 26, verse 37, it says this. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I think it's important that he invited others to be with him in that moment. Stay here and watch with me. Some of you need to invite some others into what you're facing. The Garden of Gethsemane, I've been there before. It's an olive garden. It's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And it means the place of pressing, the place of crushing. And what happened to olives when they were harvested, It's was a two-step process. There was an olive press where the olives were gathered and they were taken to a press and... They were pressed, and then olive oil would come out. And the first press of the olive press would produce the best oil. It was the purest oil. It was the oil that was used for cooking. It was a, it was a, an essential commodity in that day. But then, after the olives had been pressed, and what you have is just you know little bits and pieces of the olives and the the core of the olives and all of that would be taken out of the press and it would be taken to the olive crusher. And it was a huge circular rock and it was often in a cave where the temperature could be regulated. And another rock was placed on top of it of equal size and weight and they would pour all the leftover debris from the olive press onto this crusher and they'd put the rock on top of it and then they would attach it to a mule who would then walk in a circle as the rock on top would crush the olives by its weight and every last drop of oil would be crushed out of those olive pulps. And this was was a low quality oil. It it had a little bit of debris in there. It It was not the first press fine olive oil. It was the leftovers. But this oil that came out of the olive crusher would then be taken to the temple to light the sacrifices. That's what was used by the priests on the sacrificial altar where the lambs were offered to God. So imagine Jesus saying, as the Lamb of God, in the the garden of Gethsemane, the place of pressing, the place of crushing, imagine him saying, my soul is crushed to the point of death. Even in that prayer, there's a foreshadowing of Christ saying, I'm giving every drop of my life for you. And he sweat blood on that night. Friends, there there is access to a peace that passes all understanding when you understand that the God you love and serve has been there before. And he lost his peace. He he experienced soul-crushing anxiety and sorrow. He experienced separation from the Father so that you would never have to go through that, so that you would never have to experience it. He experienced it for you and for me. And so in this moment where we close and we take communion together, I want us to remember the cross. I want us to remember our Savior. And I want you to remember in this moment, no matter what you're facing, whether it's soul-crushing sorrow or maybe things are pretty good in life, wherever you're at, he's with you and his peace is available to you. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you right now for the cross. We thank you that you went to the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, that you faced anxiety and sorrow so that you could offer us peace. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name, amen. Let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.